Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. You can't keep laughing. I can't start if you don't stop laughing. Today is Monday, May 11th, and we're giggling. Joining us on the show today is the founder of Digital Sunshine Solutions, Gina Rosenthal. Gina, welcome. Good morning. Hi. Listeners couldn't see, but Gina gave us a victory pump because uh, we didn't mess that intro up that time. It was awesome. awesome. It's good to see you. Good to catch up. Thank you for for joining us. And uh, selfishly, this is one of the main reasons we started doing this, just to have a touch point with people um, we've we've worked with in the past and see what's going on in their lives and just kind of chat over coffee um, about tech news of the day. So couple quick facts for y'all right out of the gate. Today, well, India is ahead of us, time zone wise, but today is National Technology Day in India. It started in 1998. Made me wonder if we have a technology day here in the US, and we do. It's January 6th. Apparently, some technology company in Las Vegas just filed to claim that January 6th is technology day, and it was approved. So why they didn't pick uh, March 14th or something like that. I don't know. I couldn't find any. Was it a bot? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe we um, can get it overturned because uh, an AI did it. Was it for a show? Maybe it was for a show or an announcement or something. That's I don't all know. I yeah. But January 6th in the U.S. and today, May 11th for India. Very cool. Very cool. And we're 36% of the way through the year. It feels like 136% of the way through year through the year, but... Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. It's been a long year. <laughs> All right. Uh, what are you thinking about, Gina? What do you, uh, you... You listened to some of the episodes last week, right? <laughs> I did. I was trying to catch up to make sure, like, I was mainly making sure that we were not going to do video, so... Oh, yeah. No, no video. <laughs> Felt a little You're better safe. about the You're 8 a.m. start, so... Um, what am I thinking about? I'm thinking about the same thing as, you know, I think everybody else, like what's going on with, with um, the response to the virus has been one big thing for me, you know? Um, so that's been part of it. I try to really carefully, I have very set times when I look at news in the evening and then when I watch the news on TV in the morning, very sheltered. That's smart I think that's, to put some structure to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, one of the things that bothers me is, um, not being able to, it's very hard to discern what is information and what's hype and what is real scientific information, what's not, because I think all of us, we all come to, we all come to the table with our own, your, our own worldview, which is influenced by, by different types of, you know, whatever we're, we're influenced sure. by different types of politics or whatever in our life. Bias as well, right? Bias, all of it. And, and all of us are, that's how, humans communicate it's how we work and that's how the bots that have been created to to sway our opinions that's why they're so successful so it's harder and harder these days to understand okay is is this a scientist talking from a scientific viewpoint or is this a scientist who's saying something he has to say for yeah with an agenda or or is it you know basically just an editorial or money yeah yeah follow the money (laughs) so that to me is fascinating you know like that to me is just like how do you grab a hold of information and and how can you believe it and or how can you dissect it to find the one nugget of something that's mostly true yeah 
Yeah, that's that's a really good point. It's actually um, neat that you brought that up too, because I don't think I put these into our notes, but um, I read two articles about that recently, and I wasn't sure if they were too like mathematic or or philosophic in nature as opposed to being a little technology focused. But you brought it up, so I think it's great. There's actually a really good HBR article that was um, was titled basically "Which COVID-19 Data Can You Trust?" Hmm. And what was neat about it, um, cause I, out of all the details, basically at the end, it just said, use these tools. And it's just sort of a logic, right? It, how you look through it. But they basically, basically focused on transparency. You know, like if the article is transparent about where its data is coming from and you know the recommendations that it's presenting and stuff like that, basically enough information that somebody could go back and sort of test whatever it is that they're proposing. So, and peer review sort of from a scientific method process. Um, thoughtfulness right like signs of hubris and I thought that one was really good it's just not standing up on a, a soapbox and coming out and saying this is how it is right um, and then of course expertise actually having the position the title the knowledge the the basis the background the research whatever it is that actually sort of gives you some confidence that where they're coming from isn't just an opinion or a collection of world experiences of a 20 something year old 30 something year old but it's somebody that's actually studying it or is collecting those statistics and stuff like that and then uh, open platforms so collaboration so kind of to your point you don't just want a scientist that's got big money or something like that backing it up to provide a specific viewpoint or or something along those lines you want many people that are collaborating to something that's actually representative of an outcome so yeah i think all of that's true all of that's very so my, my my bachelor's degree was a technical library science degree <laughs> so that's how i came to emc nice you had to write and i had to take and i was technical we had to get programming in programming to get out of the major that, but that's all is that m-i-l-i-s is that l-i-s um that's the degree mine wasn't even it probably was l-i-s because yeah. it was information studies it was a brand new degree when yeah. i took it, okay. but it was cool. a, if you get a is it a i don't even remember what the master's, <laughs> if you get a master's to be a librarian but it's interesting, right? Because yeah, we don't yeah. have librarians anymore to help us. And that, that's what you learn as, as, that's what we had to take was the very, that's what I was getting to. Where you have to take the first few courses to be a librarian mm. for my major. And um, it's all about information seeking behavior and how can you trust and how can you validate the sources that you're using. And all of those things that you just said are part of it. You know, like who is this person? And like if I, and you can, it's very hard to do. Find the author of an, of an article that's very, like, really compelling and you're like, ah, oh, is this information true or is this information yeah, trying to get me to do Try to find the author sometimes of an article online, even just tra- tracking that kind of stuff. Yeah, now. oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's also, it's really hard to parse out, um, you know, logical fallacy when you do that too, because it's important to be aware of who is writing something so that you can understand what their bias might be. Yeah. But you don't want to discount truth or fact presented in a source because of the source and so and I, I think I think it's actually something that's really difficult for most people to deal with too it's like well I don't I don't trust that person but this data is not something I can throw away what do I do now right yeah. <laughs> or this data looks mostly good yeah. but I don't trust that person but this data is sure. you know like it's yeah, really yeah. hard every and- time I drop the ball it falls and that person I don't trust said that that would happen. 
but now I don't trust that the ball is always going to fall, yeah. right? Well, hey, yeah. a, a broken clock is right twice a day. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, that's something I'm thinking about. I think the, one of the other things is, like, I can't believe y'all don't know about COBOL. Like, I'm no, I know what it is. Uh, Did we, we say do? that in the episode? <laughs> do we? Oh, no. I know. I mean. Uh, I don't program it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think I mean, it's I funny didn't... because I don't program it that I hear about it all the time, but it isn't like Go, which is everybody's excited about now. It's, is, it's, it's, it's Go from the 60s. <laughs> this is such a good conversation, I think. Because <laughs> I, I learned COBOL. That was one of my classes. That's awesome. So I know it. I'd probably make a million dollars if I would have kept doing it. I will tell you the thing I hated about it. Hated about it. So it has a compiler and you have to end every line. Not, it's not every line, but Ugh, it's been a long time. Most of the lines you have to end with a period. That's the one thing I can remember is going through that okay. compiler. It would be a period in lines of code that you'd have to find. And there was no way to search it. Like there wasn't. Oh gosh. That that's terrible. <laughs> that sounds awful. But that's why, like, that's one of the things, but you have these lines and lines and lines and lines and lines of code, but it runs almost everything we do. Oh, all the banks run it. All the government agencies run it. You know, the Y2K bug was not because of it. It was because they decided they didn't want to put enough characters for a, the whole unit. Right? <laughs> right, right. And so, like, lots of people, when I was getting out of school, that's what they were going to do was to go help find all of those places and edit the code to put two more characters in so that the whole everything didn't come to a crash. So is that how we dodged that? Just people yeah. going back and editing code? Yes, that's what happened. Awesome. Like, then you had okay. people, and then you had people staying up like all night long. That was there. I, mean, I was in elementary school. Yeah, yeah it's but, a babysitter, you know, right? I'm just kidding. Jeez, I'm, like, uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I mean, I was, I was almost in college. But yeah, that's people sat, stayed up all night long, you know, on New Year's Eve to make sure that the, all the code yeah. fixes that they put in worked. But that's sure, the were- thing. Huh? life life dependencies that were associated with systems yeah, that they knew a, had that issue i i noticed that every every couple of years it pops up um either in an article or on, on twitter in particular the folks that actually experienced it like to remind the world because i think the y2k bug is one of those things that unfortunately gets wrapped up in like uh controversy whenever there's this uh hype about something that needs to be done broadly uh, you know across the the spectrum covid19 has seen some of this right um, and so I think it was the last one where I saw this, but I, I noticed people saying, it's like, whoa, 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 don't drag the Y2K bug into this. Right. You know, we spent months, if not, you know, longer coding that stuff out to fix it. And you just didn't experience the end game that would have happened if we hadn't gone in there and done it. And then to your point, yeah. we stayed up for two days to make sure that nothing broke and that all of the efforts that we put into fixing it were actually accurate. So there was a, a huge mitigation effort and it was successful. And that's why you think you should throw it into this bucket of unnecessary hype. It's a little, can you imagine being, I know people that I was still in college, so I didn't you know, get to participate in it, but you missed 19, the, the years from 1999 going to 2000. That's a year you miss and work. Think about that. Like, of course, they deserve medals. I got it. <laughs> but I, but that's what's happening now, right? That, so if the, the stuff that's happening with the um, unemployment systems overloading, mm. you just got this huge input and there's just no way for, I don't know if it's the, uh, the COBOL program or if it's the mainframe itself. It, it just wasn't written to handle 
sure. this amount of volume and that's what's happening. So they're ha they're looking for people to help them go in and, you know, make the changes. Uh, that's cool. That, that's, that's interesting. It makes a lot of sense too, right? Like, can we make adjustments to actually keep up with this demand? And well, it's um, technical debt. Yeah, of course. It's like the most original technical debt we yeah, have. That's cool. So I didn't realize this. I was just doing a little quick search while you were talking about that. Um, is almost a Twitter, kind of like a Twitter problem here where you only, you could only use 80 characters uh, for records. So they would use two digits for a year instead of four, mm -hmm. right? Very significant whenever you're dealing with just 80 characters, so. Yep. So, and, and that's what all, think about all of our banking is based on that. All yeah. of our government programs the, are based on I'm that. I'm sure the clearinghouse program is based on that too. Yeah, I, I sent an article, I tweeted an article yesterday because I was like, all right, let me make sure I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have some facts to share here. Nice. Like, Why are you making me feel so, so old? But um, like even back in the day, right? So like nobody, I learned COBOL in, I, I had an associate's degree in, in my associate degree. I got to Florida State and they were like, nobody's going to use this. You should learn, <laughs> I think they're like, oh, you should awesome. learn Oracle. But I learned C, like that's the thing. JavaScript yeah. was the big thing to learn too you know, back in 19, when was that like 2000, 2001. So, um, it's, it, you got, everybody's wanting to learn the new hotness, like go and, and who's wanting to learn COBOL and have to work on mainframes. Nobody's going to want to do that. And so that's a problem. We don't have a lot of commercial people doing people in commercial companies and you're left with government agencies, which have now they've got people that know how to do it and know everything about it. Um, they're, they're, they're past the retirement age. There was something in the article yeah. I tweeted yesterday saying that there's a guy in his 90s on oxygen. Oh the police go and pick him up and take him to his job and take him home. But he wow. knows where all the bodies are buried. So they got to keep him on and keep yeah. him Yeah, The Oracle That's of Cobol. Yes, it's him. It's his dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. No, that's that's really, really interesting stuff. And I think, uh, you know, to your point, people are chasing after Go or whatever the language of the day is. Um, but... It, I think, I think it's because new stuff, the new hotness is going to be developed in whatever's exciting today. And the companies that are starting from the ground up are probably going to use those languages for good reason, I'm sure. But um, I think a lot of people see languages like COBOL as uh, maintenance activity. And, and who wants to be, you know, the, the maintenance engineer as a career path, right? People like to develop the new hotness. And I think we need to find a way to make it sexy, for lack of a better word, to... Uh, to participate in those activities more broadly because so much stuff is built on it. And unless we're going to fix it by developing off that platform and, and shed all of that technical debt, then uh, you, you got to find a way to keep people engaged. Well, it's got to be more than... It'll come back in style. Well, it has to be yeah. more sexy. It has to be... Someone has to pay you to do it. Right. right? Yeah. Demand. That's the thing. So now, you know, all these people 10 years older than me that are retired that know how to do this, you know, and the other few people that figured out how to, that this was a good place to be and play in, you know, they're making big bucks, but it's only for this, the, the market for it's small. It gets big at times like this, but it's small at other times. So it's, it's all about the money. Like make no mistake about that. Oh, We're for sure. Pay you the most to program what? That's what you're going to go learn. Yep. To see, we just need big contracts for people to rewrite all of that old technical <laughs> debt on something more awesome and modern, right? there you go <laughs> in some places not everywhere but like as as an example the clearinghouse part of the reason it is so slow to transfer money through banks is because our clearinghouse system was designed to move things quickly 
30, 40, 60 years ago, whatever it was, like, kill it. Let's go. Let's go faster. But we need it to be secure. We need it to be clean, you know, stuff like that. I, I could, I'd be okay with it being refreshed from the ground <laughs> up, right? But it's interesting, right? So if you look at the waves of technology and, and what's come and gone, you know, I think there's a lot of vendors that would love to get things away from mainframes. I mean, IBM's not going to be one of those vendors. There's a huge, right now, there's a huge open source um, mainframe project. So I saw somebody was, I don't know where I saw it. Somebody has a mainframe on a Raspberry Pi. They've got that. Oh, wow. Raspberry, That's so um, cool. Um, one of the, the one of the OSs. Hmm. So they they they've got this, and IBM's like behind it and pushing it because they don't really want the mainframe to go away. They you know yeah. we need to get everybody tra trained up and up to speed to maintain the ones that are there. Yeah. And if you think about the three tier stuff, there's been a lot of arms around. No, we're never going to the cloud. We're never going to do cloud like applications. We're going to stick right here with this, what we know. No one's, no one's ever going to put exchange in the cloud. Come on. So, <laughs> right. And so now we've got this huge shift where everybody's wanting to learn go and how Kubernetes works, you know, so it's, it's, we're going through just shifts in technology and where the money is. Yeah, no, that's so true. It's uh, funny. I'm going to springboard right off your comment there. I read a fun little article and apparently Microsoft has released or is releasing later this year code that will um, solve our reply all storms uh, in, in exchange and office 365. And I was like, Oh, but sometimes it's so fun to hate on everyone for doing that. Like at this point, it's, it's like part of, corporate culture to have these reply all storms at least once every year or two right and and here we are just using code to fix it <laughs> i just i just want to be in hr at one of those companies just with my notepad just writing down all the names of people that <laughs> be like stop hitting all reply all you know demote demote the ignore demote. Or, yeah exactly or, you guys uh, replace bets on how long it will go <laughs> no okay, how long it will go this oh, is how long that's it will awesome go. i wanted to say this <laughs> Oh, oh that is people. that is funny. So anytime you see somebody with it that actually has it in the CC, you're just like, how long before the first person says un uncheck me, right? Like take me off this list. <laughs> Unsubscribe. <laughs> Get on Slack. So, like someone's gonna parse through that and find your name and delete and then continue the conversation. <laughs> Good. Okay, I saw this crazy thing. Um, Gina, I don't know if you're into like drones and space and stuff, but um Yes, nodding yes. Okay, awesome. You'll like this. So I was reading this article about uh, the future of unmanned um, aerial vehicles, being able to power them through satellites beaming microwaves yes. uh, to the drones, right? That's Some awesome. Kind of different spacecraft that you can uh, classify as drones, but they've messed around with this for a while using lasers and whatnot, uh, but they have, uh, or they're doing an experiment right now beaming microwaves. And so we were talking about the constellation of satellites a few mm -hmm. uh, you know, episodes ago, but uh, the ability to just perpetually keep drones in the air from microwaves, from space, just, I don't know, blows my mind. Uh, that's awesome. And that's cool too, because they've been doing microwave powered stuff for a long time, but uh, microwaves, they're, they're not real good for like, oh, humans and other water-filled meat bags, right? right. <laughs> but, but like a satellite to drone connection, that's awesome. I wonder if they'll be able to use tech that we talked about a few podcasts back now. Just um, miss the skydivers, to, you know, try to, to you know, around like, the skydivers. <laughs> to, to 
beam that stuff through the clouds, literally the clouds, the you know the moisture ones, um, to to sort of keep something maybe that's intended to be up indefinitely. I don't know, it'll be fun. I'll bet I guarantee you there are going to be some teams that start trying to go for world records, keeping a drone in the air using technology like that. That's actually really cool. The, uh, see, anything I say now is going to sound like I'm a conspiracy theorist, but <laughs> no, bring it. Do it. I'm sure bring listeners it. love that stuff. <laughs> Which, by the way, we're up to 50 like consistent listeners. So thank you all, whoever you yes. are. I have no idea. Thank everyone. I listen oh, on Spotify, you. so I don't know where you take your measurements from, but I listen everywhere. On so we, we bring it all through Anchor, and I'm sorry, we'll come back to your conspiracy theory thing here. Uh, <laughs> but Anchor feeds us uh, analytics on this. And um, this morning I looked, and we passed 600 total plays. We're at 603 with an estimated Ooh. audience size of 50, which is Yay, pretty Yay, good cool. job, guys. Thanks yeah, for listening, For being everybody. two weeks into this, it's fun. Good job, good job. So, anyway, hit us with your, hit us with yeah, your yeah, theory. Go, go, let's go, go, let's go. This is going to be good. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's fact that microwaves cause human pro- problems with humans. But like, I don't know. They're the pretty good at heating water. Are yeah. the microwaves <laughs> go or, yeah, like in air, which has water molecules in it. Like, I don't know. Like, to me, that just seems like I have a whole problem with the, um, let's speak. I, I, I've said a lot of times, I feel like Earth is beta. Like, they are just like, oh, well. We screwed this one all up. So let's just see what we can figure out how to do. And we'll use that on Mars or the other planet. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) It's kind of like one of those things is like, what's the worst that can happen? Nobody's going to stop us right now. Nobody's in space with us. Let's just use microwaves. Pew, pew, pew. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the bright side is microwaves have actually been, we we use microwaves for all kinds of different um, things. I'll have to go collect a list of it. But that it's definitely not new technology so it's something that we understand very well and um unlike a lot of other you know mediums from a a frequency perspective that we use to transfer data and stuff like that microwaves do have the tendency in fact we use it very commonly to heat water molecules right excite water molecules that's what makes stuff hot in your microwave oven um nice thing about that is that we we're aware of most of what's happening there and it's just energy transference so you take that band you're pumping it out it takes a ton of energy to push it and then when it hits water in particular it tends to lose some of that energy the water takes it over that's why uh, you wouldn't want to beam microwaves through any area where there are humans or birds as an example but you'd probably be okay if you could avoid those things but we'll keep our (laughs) drones up in the air there you go well you're right gina it's like (laughs) it's like you know, we found DEET was effective, you know, effective bug mm. repellent. And then we realized it's hurting the humans. They run behind uh, the mosquito trucks. <laughs> yeah. Cocaine. Um, <laughs> cocaine was originally in Coke, right? It made people feel good. And they're like, hmm, maybe it makes them feel too good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Well, we feeling kind of ex- too good is fine. It's, it's being addicted to it that ends up being a problem, right. I think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, but that's, that's kind of how we move through. I mean... When you think about it, like, you know, who ate the first lobster that they killed first and then let it release its toxins and then they cooked it and then tried to eat it and died, right? Or, you know, it just, that's, that's, somebody's got to get life of humans. We'll test all this stuff and um, somebody's gotta we'll go learn and we'll move forward. <laughs> I yeah. guess so. I was going to say something. Was that like the conspiracy theories? I don't get a lot of this because I've kind of like really trimmed down what I follow and look at. But the 5G conspiracy theories, have y'all seen any of those? Yes, we talked about it a little bit. We did. 
<laughs> I can't. I can't with the five G. Yeah. I just. I don't understand how it can be so misunderstood. <laughs> you can't That's believe people way think to say that. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is it that you can't believe? Um. I I can't believe that people think that 5G is giving people coronavirus. Okay. All right. Like, <laughs> we were kind of on the verge leap. there. Of like, yeah. I can't there's, believe there's, people don't understand that 5G isn't giving them or whatever. Right. right. <laughs> I, think, oh, no, I, feel I can't believe there's, that. Yeah, there's exactly. a whole range of Good it, clarification. Right? <laughs> yeah. There's people that think that 5G is tearing down your immune system and making you more susceptible. Yeah. And then there's people right. that think that 5G was released by you know, some either Bill Gates or, you know, some government conspiracy <laughs> thing. It. And then there's going to be, so it's all in tandem, right? So there, there'll be a required vaccine before you can participate in public activities again. And that vaccine will inject like microprocessors into your body, which can then oh be controlled gosh. by 5G. It's all like, oh my just gosh. Stop, just stop. I don't understand how they're thinking <laughs> that way. Take that out that of would, context. It would be kind of cool if that's all it took. <laughs> it's like, you know. <laughs> Like it'd be scary, but it'd be like cool if that technology was even being developed. Oh, I know, right? It would be that's always been my position when it comes to stuff like that. Like the the most extreme, you know, conspiracy theories for me, it's just like no, I I don't know any corporations or government entities organized enough to be that cool. I just don't. Like if if we could inject a like if we could create a virus and then inject people with something that stops the spread of the virus. And gives us the ability to control you with a new band of, of you know, radio waves, basically. Like, that's, that's really intense. And I have no faith that we have organizations capable of doing it yet. I don't think people need anything injected in them to be controlled by somebody. <laughs> that's right. It's cheaper to do it the way we're doing it already. Just, just release a bot that writes crappy articles and gets you mad about something. Yeah, that's it. Just put people <laughs> All the on control Facebook. we need. Oh All right. Gosh. In our uh, in our daily attempt to not talk about Facebook. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, I have to follow up with. Uh, so we talked last week. Facebook was putting together a an oversight board of 40 individuals, and I was oh, yeah, on them for an even number of people. So the news out today is that they realized that the review board has no influence over anything and can't really decide. Uh, like on content or whatever. So they're just not going to do it. Right. They announced this whole big thing. They picked all these, you know, smart people from around the world Brilliant. or at least announced 20 of them. And it says, uh, the oversight board is neutered from the start since it cannot mandate codes of conduct or effectively help minimize harm. So With yeah, any luck, the work. purpose of releasing the first article was successful. And, and, you know, a billion people saw the first article and about 500,000 saw the second article and boom, Facebook's got a, a board, it's trying to get content ethically and right. No, nobody's the wiser, right? That, so that's a strong point too. Sounds like they had bought armies yeah. releasing the first one, nobody pumping the second one at all. And that was all part of the plan. They had 20 <laughs> people that got on board and were like, we can't do this. You want us to see this, but you won't let us do this or this. Or, no, this isn't going to, no, I'm out. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's gotta be Gina's point right there. It's like, is there money in doing this the right way? No. Okay. We're done with it then. That's probably I think people would want to do things the right way, but if you that's the whole thing. This is a community yeah. thing, right? Like if you have a community that all comes together to do something and then you give them no agency, no power, yeah. you don't listen to the people in the community, what's in it for them? There's lots sure. of people, especially right now, I think that are willing to go above and beyond and do something, but 
if you don't give them the agency to make change, then what's the point? Waste yeah, of time. I, I just yeah. find it hard to believe that, uh, and, and not to rag on Facebook too hard here. No, please. I don't think it's do unique it. to them. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's the, the idea that their entire business model is sort of predicated by grabbing eyes and clicks, right? So yeah, it's attention. What, attention why, why would you disassemble that? And, and I think the argument for doing anything that's counter to that mission would be because it's the right thing to do. And I would argue that that's enough, but clearly it's not. If you can't even put together a board of expertise to kind of make sure that the content is catered in such a way that you're at least avoiding massive and dangerous misinformation, then, then something's broken with sort of the ethical baseline that they got you where you are. Well, okay, let's be honest. Facebook start is, is a ripoff of hot or not. So let's kind of be obvious. Oh, let's be honest what it was, number one. But you made a really good point, Tyler. Um, I think, you know, they're not, what Facebook has and what their bread and butter is, is that graph. And it is an amazing marketing tool. It is extremely, extremely um, on point, you can, you can really, really delve down into finding people to target, to buy or consume your content okay. and that, and hopefully buy something. That's what it's supposed to be all about. Sure. So I think that's probably what happened. This ethical board got together for a week and they were trying to see what they could do and they could not go against the, the machine whose responsibility it is, is to sell this graft to people, to advertisers yeah. and um, there was probably a, a lot of conflict there and they had to, to leave with it. But that's yeah, I imagine, I imagine they're very good at looking at what the impact of new decisions are going to have on, on bottom lines, even if it's just a statistical distribution that says there's a, you know, a 30% likelihood that this is going to take 40% of that bucket away from us. And so my guess is they got it together. They started to look at some of the recommendations. They're like, this is going to be devastating to certain advertising markets. Like, nope, not doing it. Yeah, you can see the product managers right now escalating up there to their VPs and saying, we're not doing this. I can, that's exactly what happened. I think you're totally right. 100% right. It's, it's sad though, because I, I think, well, then again, this, this is a fun philosophical debate in general, right? I think it falls in line sort of with the same with um, our, our, what is it, hero worship with, you know, sports folks and stuff like that, right? Where the expectation is because sports you are- folks. Oh, yeah, I, I could. The word just wasn't there. Um, the Play the idea that ball. because somebody is at the top of their game and is actually tearing it up in in football or basketball or, or you know cricket, curling. Don't tell um, us all the sports, Tyler. I did, I got the important ones right. Cricket. Um, yeah, that's that's that somebody is going to be super offended that I just said that. It's not that that was a joke. I was I'm kidding. sorry. All Let sports. Me step out of all your, sports are important. Out of your way here. No, um, no, no, no. But we, we have this tendency to say, oh, you're really, really good at what you do. And therefore you, you are like a, a oh, shining North matters. star. For, well, for everything, right? Yeah, you expect right. somebody that's uh, the, the best linebacker in the world to be this ethical standard that kids are going to look up to. And then we freak out when they do something that's totally inappropriate publicly. And, and I think companies, unfortunately, are in the same bucket now. And you get the Googles and the Facebooks and the Microsoft, and you want, because of how influential their discourse is, you want them to do the right thing all the time, but it's not their purpose. Any more than, than a sports figure's purpose is to make your kids be ethical. No, it, it's to win games. Sure. <laughs> 
It's yeah, a that's just evaluating sources, right? You know. Yeah. Yeah. What What is that person's expertise, and what's their angle? What are they bringing you the information for? That's for right. Time. Although I think it's really funny that somebody from Dallas is telling us all about ethics and sports and. <laughs> Well, what as, what as anyone who knows me knows that my uh, my proximity to sports and uh, sports viewership is probably on the almost non-existent end of the yeah, spectrum. You guys are on different planes, <laughs> separate multiverses. That's for sure. What happened? I live what? in a world where sports are not important. <laughs> but when we talk about, about Facebook, right? Like getting back to that and the whole. I think there's other way. That's what I've been doing with my time since, of course, you know. Went into business for myself, did not plan for the pandemic. So it's been interesting. Okay, so how do we do things? Um, but I was with a group of people back in uh, 2007, 2008, that we we did things like used um, all sorts of different platforms to try to get people to interact. We used Facebook. I'm sad to say I got lots of people on Facebook. I'm very ashamed of myself for that. Looking back. Don't be. Didn't know. I, I think it's a totally appropriate platform, especially depending on when you started, right? Right. So we convinced, we were the ones that convinced, you know, EMC and Dell to use Facebook, to use oh, wow. Twitter, to use social media, to do all the things, That's right? Awesome. Like we did, we did, we had a space in something called, um, what was it called? I don't remember now. MySpace. No, something called <laughs> GeoCities. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Second Life. Second Life. Really? We had what? We had arrays that you could go and walk and press what? and information would come up. Yep. Do you do it in Minecraft now? You had no, EMC so infrastructure in Second no, no, no. Life. So what I've been doing is is is, <laughs> That's awesome. is looking That's at awesome. like okay, so what's out there, especially when you're working from home. What are some things you can do that are better than sitting on zoom. Cause that's what I'm hearing from everybody is they y'all sit on zoom for like nine hours a day and it's horrible. So like what, sure. what are the ways to make it more interactive? Because that's where the interactions happen. It's you can't just take all day, put it online. Yeah. Zoom. It's not going to work. It's Send everybody working. like a $2,000 virtual reality set and then so boom, bad. office parties with a face mask on <laughs> that won't ostracize your dog. <laughs> oh my lord <laughs> well so like i went to one um conference that it was a, a devops conference that they did all in animal crossing and what? i'm not playing animal crossing but my mom's staying with me right now and my daughter lives with me so they are playing animal crossing i was like well let me check this out so i didn't want to get on animal crossing because animal crossing to me looks like a lot of dang work i don't want to play so, <laughs> I'm not playing. so they awesome. they designed this little conference really well so if you think about cool. it so they had it um in animal crossing but they were also live casting to twitch if you think about it both of those are gaming platforms they are made to make sure there's no lag so you don't have the problems with lag and too many people so they just had the speakers on the animal crossing island and um, they were also in a Zoom, so they could do like we're doing, like be able to see each other and talk. Yeah. They were live casting to, um, to Twitch. They had a Discord server, and that's kind of where I spent my time. I listened to the presentations. The presentations were fantastic. They were just wow. really, really good about, you know, just people's emotional health and doing things like that. You know, cool. How to work together as teams better. They had these channels, and I, have y'all been on like Discord servers and that? Mm -hmm. Not Animal Crossing, but yes, Discord. Okay. Yeah, but this is kind of like, this is, I'm telling you about the Animal Crossing because they tied it all together. No, I'm glad you brought it up because I've been sidestepping it. It's been in the news and I've been it like... It was fantastic. Yep. I'm not going to talk about that. But I can't talk about it. You can talk about it. Tell us. That, that's awesome. 
but it, no, it, it sounds really goofy, right? But like it, it is all. It was all about they. That's why they did it. They're like, this is so ridiculous that we're on Zoom all day long. What's the most ridiculous thing? We, oh, we could go beyond Animal Crossing, and they did. Yeah. And they designed. It sounds like they did it very successfully too. What was the they name of this a, conference? It was DevOps Islands. Okay. Ah, Animal Crossing's Islands. That that was convenient. <laughs> I think it was like DI DevOps or something. D, oh, what was it? I think it does. It's DevOps Island though. Cool. DevOps Island. But the way that they designed it, what I'm trying to get to is it wasn't just in one space. They, they made it so that they had it in a whole bunch of different places. When they were in yeah. the discord server, they had different channels, you know, like speaker question, main, and people started going all over the place. Cause everybody knows each other. They were like, okay, we need some hallways and they just like on the fly just kind of made these things that made it way more interactive. The same time you're listening, the people that were really into the whole idea of it being on um, animal crossing were in animal crossing. So you could get like swag in animal crossing for your little animal crossing. Characters. Interesting. I, I wouldn't have guessed own. animal crossing was so well set up to do stuff. Well, well they, the thing is they designed it to do it, but That's they cool. designed how they wanted it to be. Yeah. And then people just kind of adopted and, and branched out to make it even more interactive. For themselves. It was just really, really well done. Was I'm going to have to read into that. That sounds fascinating. It, it's deserted Island DevOps. So if you go to deserted Island.club. Desert Island. Yeah. Yeah. No, you got it. DI DevOps, <laughs> deserted Island DevOps. But cool. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we've even had, like, we've jokingly talked about having some of our meetings uh, during video games or something like that. Yeah, right? of course. And like, that was part not? of what, yeah, that was part of kind of what spawned, again, there was a number of ideas that went into spawning this, this breakfast podcast thing. But yeah, we talked about, you know, if we have to meet and say three of us um, are planned for this meeting and we find out that all three of us like playing Destiny 2, why wouldn't we meet and do that? And if we can broad like if there's nothing sensitive in this meeting and we can broadcast it why wouldn't we just then also broadcast it to twitch yeah, or something stream i think it, right? that'd be pretty cool i mean yeah. i don't think that i went to another person to look up for these kind of things is alistair cole he's a friend of mine and he runs a lot of big Shout conferences. Out. and he had a he's he's doing some some research on all of this as well but he was like look why wouldn't you just put the keynote why would you put it in a Zoom and just have a, a sitting head looking like this? This is so boring. Make that available on something that someone can get on their TV. I sit yeah. on my couch with my phone or my laptop and I'll be in Twitch or on Twitter or on Slack or wherever conversating with the people watching the, the keynote like I would if I was sitting in the keynote someplace, right? Like why are, we, we don't why are we acting like the only way to consume data is through a Zoom? This is not how people use data anymore so if yeah. we if we think, I think it's just design, easy it takes less coordination you yeah. know, this, is, it, this is just the next generation of the the standard baseline phone call right but we can see each other and there's a little bit of body language if you're willing to just sort of say you always have to have your camera on and stuff like that so it's better than just a phone call but yeah you're right this shouldn't be an end game yeah but gina's hitting on something super important when you think about the next generations that get into the workforce when you think about the uh, like the TikTok generation coming into the workforce, what is that going to be like? Right. And yeah. And I think this oh. kind of ties to some, sorry, it's like, oh, how do, how do no, you? go. Yeah, go. Um, this is great. Alistair, one of the things he says too, is like, he was saying too, it's like, you can't 
design for the past because we're not going back to the same way. Like it's, we're just not going to be able to, you got to design for what's what you never thought of before. So like you have to have these brand new ideas. That's kind of, I think people always say like, we think about the kids coming from the TikTok generation, but like the very first part of TikTok, there were so many adults on there, way more adults than there were kids. There still is. And I'm not that familiar with the app, but yeah. Well, I stopped using it because I was nervous about privacy, but (laughs) it was really cool (laughs) when I was on it. But then you have like, my mom plays Animal Crossing. Like she's a maniac with Animal Crossing. I have to tell her, okay, I'm going to bed. Don't stay up all night playing video games. Ah, that's funny. (laughs) I love it. But the thing is, is I think that we, we get these ideas that are marketing ideas, that we have these personas, that this is Mm -hmm. this person, Mm -hmm. that's all crap. We all want the same information. Think about, go back to the whole throwback to the COBOL conversation. If you wanted to learn COBOL, why would we not want the 70, 80, 90 year olds in Twitch, in Slack, wherever with that is showing us and telling us, well, back in my day, you know, like to us, that history is going to get lost and that knowledge is going to get lost because of how our, our companies work. You get laid off, you get shifted around. You, people give up their hands and throw up and, and give up and go like, I'm done. Like, imagine if we were able to use this whole idea of connecting people digitally and expanding our minds and being like, why are we not having the entire breadth of our, all the generations that have been in technology together at one time and using all the ideas. If you're a techie, yeah. you're into the new cool ideas. That's yeah. what you're trying to figure out. That's what y'all are doing. That's what I'm doing with my stuff. Yeah. That's what we're all trying to do. It has nothing to do with being you know, teeny bopper now or a 90 year old yeah. now, they both like the same things if they're attacking. So yeah. And it's interesting, interesting. You bring it up too. I mean, it's cause that's quite the juxtaposition as well. You've got on one hand, you're saying, you know, sort of develop for the future, don't develop for the past, but then you're talking about bringing folks like 90 year old COBOL experts to the table through the same medium. And, and, and you're probably right. The way people are interacting might actually drag folks to the table that wouldn't otherwise have even considered it. Right. I started having a conversation with, um, cause I'm so concerned about, I know y'all don't like to talk about Facebook, but I'm so concerned. No, it just about, is a joke. It's, <laughs> we can't not a, talk about we Facebook. We can't apparently. not talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> we were trying to just not talk about it every single episode, what but there's constantly news about through. Facebook. No, it's fine. Go awesome. ahead. But, um, I, talking to, you know, the older friends of mine and, you know, family members about Facebook, trying to talk to them about like, we've got to find something else because even if you do nothing, they're using you and we've got to figure it out. And it was just like heartbreaking for some of the older folks because it's they use it to keep in touch with people and to with watch everybody. the grandkids and watch the, you know. So it's it's this technology that all these, you know, heart-rendering commercials about bringing us together, it literally can. But it should bring us together on our terms and it should bring us together and unite us. Mm-hmm. And that can only happen if we kind of expand our minds and think about like, what can we use this, what can we use this to do? And what, how can we make sure we don't leave people out? That's mm-hmm. the other thing. I think that's well, happening. And I think that's a, that's a huge problem, right? Because to get something like Facebook or an equivalent that is secure in the sense that it's your, your data is yours, right? And it's not being used or used without your knowledge, right? It basically requires a, an open source and not decentralized sort of application or front end that everyone gets into. And, and to maintain something like that at scale that Facebook does almost requires the revenue stream. And I think, I think that's exactly why we have what we have, right? Why does you know? it do just one thing? That's the thing I'm trying to say. Like, why can't we design um, 
design interactions that make more sense to us and use all sorts of different products. I'll give you an example. Not afraid to admit, I love The Masked Singer. That show is doofy and they had Gronk on it and it was the best thing I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. Jim trying to pretend like he wasn't Gronk. That was totally drunk. It was awesome. So like, but the fun part about it is my daughter and I watch it constantly. We're on Twitter the whole time and she's a Twitter maniac about Mass Singer and her theories of who's what and like looking at it just it's like this whole thing where it all gets shared and they figured TV is starting to figure out like we can make this interactive with all sorts cool. of different platforms and here's how we do it and leave it open and let the fans run with it and that's kind of the way things social was back in the beginning I'm already I was kind of hopeful at the beginning of this that maybe one of the good things to come out of this would we would be more connected and be more open and be more egalitarian. I'm seeing it really close down really quick already because people want this things being, to be, You mean COVID? And all yeah, this because of the now. crisis and the shutdown and everything, right? Yeah. Like everybody wants it to return to normal. And I'm like, why? Why, <laughs> well, yeah. can't we, why can't we imagine something that would be even better? And yes, if normal in your head is I've got a job, I'm working, my family's secure. Of course, let's do that. But do we have to do it in the same way we did it before? And I'm not sure we do. So yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Okay. Hey, that, that's a, that's a strong yeah. point. And yeah, we are um, <laughs> twice over. over time. Yeah, but oh, it's been awesome catching sorry. up with you. No, don't feel bad at all. No, yeah, not at all. Um, this is fun. I just have another call. I got to go prep for here. Um, but hit us with where we can find you and what you're up to and all that fun stuff. Yes, you can find me definitely on Twitter, G-M-I-N-K-S-G-Minks, um, digitalsunshinesolutions.com. That's my website. Um, in the middle of working on some of the stuff we were just talking about, was hoping to get it up this week, had some health issues in the family last week, so we're working on getting everybody up to health, and um, that's the priority, but yeah, hopefully this week or next week, you'll start seeing. I usually run a open Friday lunch chat. It's not as open as it once was because we totally got bombed by some rude oh, team from Ireland. No. Oh. <laughs> that one I'll tell. That story I could tell you offline one day because it was pretty funny. Oh, that's but, funny. <laughs> I think our listeners want to hear. You got to come back in June and tell us the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't be so embarrassed. I can tell you. <laughs> I don't know if I want to record it. <laughs> it was funny though. I was very happy I hadn't started um, casting yet. So well, we'll find somebody <laughs> named Tina that can come back and tell us the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, but speaking <laughs> of other names, do you have anybody else that you want to call out and recommend we bring on the show and challenge them to come on and, and do this with us? I think um, data center dude, Nick Howell. I think you should bring him. He okay. is, uh, he's doing some interesting, interesting things with, um, with discord and Twitch. Fantastic. And, um, and he has been doing it a while. He runs a crazy wrestling fan side cool. fan okay. podcast. Um, so he's been, he's super open with all of his knowledge. And so I've been um, in that community he's building. It's great because it's all storage people. <laughs> so, you know, y'all should definitely join that, but um, have him on. He's, okay. he's, he would be a hate. Cool. Yeah, we'll have to reach out. All right, well, shut Gina, it down, thank Tyler. you so much for joining us this is tons of fun you got to come back i really enjoyed the conversation i hope all of our listeners did too and that brings today's tech breakfast to a close we hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we did and as always if we missed anything if you've got any feedback positive or negative or if you want to come and join us please hit us up on twitter find a way to contact us and uh, bring your thoughts and opinions have a great day y'all bye gina bye y'all bye gina thanks you guys bye. that was fun